morning, let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Welcome to week number 1 of A Picture of Health. We are looking forward to a wonderful 11-week series together as we study the book of 1 Thessalonians verse by verse. How many of you grew up playing the game Operation? How many of you know you know the game Operation? Let me see your hand. Does anybody in here not know the game? Have you not played the game Operation? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Okay. I see somebody being, I see some people being ratted out. But Operation is a game that goes way back before I was born. And in the game of Operation, you are the doctor and you are working on Cavity Sam. So up here on the screen, I have Cavity Sam. This is the actual, uh, the actual board game. And Cavity Sam has all sorts of problems with him. For example, if you look at his ankle, he has a, he has a wrenched ankle. Uh, he has water on the knee. Uh, he has a bread basket, which is actual like a loaf of bread. Um, he's got a problem. He has brain freeze. In my version of the game, he has brain freeze. So you, you have to get a popsicle out of his head. And in the game of operation, the whole idea is that you are a doctor, and with your tweezers, you're going to get all of the problems out of them. So you have to diagnose it, get it out, and it's, it's a lot of fun. I always thought it was a cool game whenever I was growing up. In 1 Thessalonians, in our study, what we are going to do is we are going to be diagnosing uh, a church in the New Testament. And this church, and we're going we're to study them today, uh, this church wasn't a church that had a bunch of ailments, they didn't have a bunch of maladies. Actually, this church is a model church. Uh, this church is a healthy church. This church is filled with people who have healthy souls. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound good? The idea of having a, a healthy soul. And as we walk through 1 Thessalonians, uh, what we are going to see each and every week is as we look at our own, as our own life-size cavity, Sam, courtesy of my mom who made this for me, uh, we are going to be diagnosing from 1 Thessalonians what it takes, what are the elements of a healthy soul. So we're going to have a lot of fun with this series as we walk through the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we'll have it up on the screen for you, and then we're actually going to go to the book of Acts for today. Uh, but 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, uh, the Bible says this, Paul and Sylvanus or Silas and Timotheus or Timothy unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so this, as we open up, we see from 1 Thessalonians that this is a letter. This is a letter. So when you read the books of the Bible, different books of the Bible are different genres of literature. Some are, some are poetry. Some are, some are history. Well, this one is a letter. And today, if I wrote you a letter, I have my friend Zachary over here. If I wrote a letter to Zachary, I'd say, dear Zachary, how's it going? I'm excited about picture of health. A new life. Sincerely, Pastor David. All right? But in the books of Bible, in the, the epistles, the letters, the New Testament letters, the way the letters were written 2,000 years ago is it didn't say, dear so-and-so. They would actually open up with who the letter was written, who the letter was from. So it says, Paul and Sylvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians. So it's from Paul and Silas and Timothy to this Thessalonian church. And then he says, that grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we open up, we see that this is a letter from Paul to uh, this Thessalonian church. 
And then he's going to get into his letter. So uh, today, what we want to do is we want to go to Acts chapter 17. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and go back with me to Acts 17. Uh, whenever we read these letters, it's good for us to learn as much as we can about the, the original author and the original audience. So today, that's what we're going to actually look at. And whenever I... Sorry, my, my microphone is messing with me today. Uh, let's actually go ahead and just switch to the handheld. This I, I don't want this to mess with us all day today. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and go to the handheld. All right, testing, one, two. Okay, uh, so we're going to go back to, the, back to the original audience. And what is the background of the book of First Thessalonians? And I'm going to tell you this this morning. It's when I found uh, the background, whenever I found this church and how we got started and the relationship that Paul had with this church and how they got started, uh, it got me excited. I decided to preach this series. I've been looking forward to this since last fall. Uh, I've been getting ready for this series. So we're going to have a lot of fun together, but I'm going to tell you something. The truths that we're going to learn today, uh, I believe it is going to change. I believe it's going to change our lives. And I believe this series, gonna, series is going to change our lives. So decide that you're going to be here each week. And let's start Acts 17 and verse number one when we're introduced to this Thessalonian church. The Bible says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus." And they troubled the people and the rulers of the, of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. The title of this morning's message is Surprisingly Healthy, Finding Spiritual Health in unhealthy circumstances. Let's go ahead and pray one more time and then dive into God's word. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you for your goodness to us and thank you for your kindness to us. And Lord, I pray that as we as we start this new series on spiritual health and as we look at this, this church and what Paul wrote to them 2,000 years ago, Lord, I ask that you'd help us to see, uh, see how we find spiritual health in you. May you... Give us healing for our souls. May our lives be transformed. We know your, your word is quick and powerful. And Lord, I ask that you use your word to shape and to change our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, as we get started, and I do want to preface this before we get into, into the message and into the points that are in your, in your book that you received. 
So every message that every message that I'm preaching, uh, you received today over the next 11 weeks. So I want to encourage you to hang on to those. But I do want to preface as we talk about spiritual health. Okay, spiritual health is connected to, but not exclusively connected to um, things like emotional health and mental health. Whenever we talk about spiritual health, a lot of times we get this idea of emotional health and mental health. All right, and it is connected. So uh, if, you, if you don't believe me, look at Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, what the Spirit produces in believers, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, or patience. Uh, and whenever I think of those things, joy and peace, uh, if I have joy and if I have peace, then I would say, hey, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. I, I'm happy with my emotional health. Okay, so as we get into this, it is going to be connected. Uh, it is going to be connected, but not exclusively so. So we are going to be looking at the spiritual factors from Scripture, but I don't want to negate, and I, I just want to get this out as we get started, and I'll probably say something along these lines every week, uh, but uh, I'm not negating the need for uh, the physical health measures and maybe some medical needs that people have. All right, so for example, whenever it comes to uh, emotional and mental health, uh, sometimes the problem with our, our emotional and mental health can be something that is medically related, all right? So I'm not discounting the need um, to maybe go see a doctor if you need one uh, or to seek professional help if you need one, all right? So I'm not discounting that. Sometimes people have, can have like chemical imbalances or things like that. Also, factors in our emotional health can be things as simple as diet, sleep, and exercise, all right? So, uh, which... I need to practice what I preach whenever it comes to the exercise part. Uh, but if we're taking care of ourselves that way, um, ultimately we need to we need to look at the spiritual elements. We need to look at what Scripture says. But I do want to say right off the bat that we're not discounting. We're not saying every problem is fixed uh, without. Sometimes people need doctors. All right. So uh, our bodies can get sick. Our, our our minds can get sick. So there is that need sometimes. But we're primarily looking at this series at spiritual health, at spiritual health, which affects our emotional and mental health. All right, so as we get started, I want to say this from Acts chapter 17 and verse number one. Number one in your notes is this, that a healthy soul is possible regardless of circumstances. I'm going to say that one more time. A healthy soul is possible regardless of circumstances. And honestly, this is the reason why I wanted to preach this whole series. All right, in Acts chapter number 17, the Apostle Paul goes to a city. He moves to a city called Thessalonica. All right, and this city in Thessalonica is in a region called Macedonia. Uh, Jaden, if you could go ahead and show us on the screen. This is a big map, and at the top of the map, you see Macedonia. And there you see cities like Philippi. We read in our text today, Amphipolis. And, uh, there is the city of Thessalonica up in that, uh, that yellow country region. At the top is the region of Macedonia. And in Acts chapter number 17, the Apostle Paul moves to this city called Thessalonica in Macedonia, uh, where he starts a church. And what I found was really interesting, because when Paul moves to Thessalonica in Acts 17, he's moving on the back end of some really difficult circumstances. In Acts chapter number 16, the Apostle Paul started his, started his missionary journey from his, from his hometown, and he goes out to Macedonia, and whenever he's getting ready to go and start a missionary journey where he's getting ready to start churches, uh, he's really struggling with where to go. 
Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16 that he wanted to go out east, but the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going to go out east. And then he said, hey, I'll go to this other region. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going to go to that area. And finally, Paul has a vision in Acts chapter 16 where there's a man in Macedonia saying, please come and help us. So Paul in Acts chapter 16 moves out to Macedonia and he goes to a city called Philippi. Whenever he gets to Philippi, Paul has a strategy everywhere that he goes. The Bible tells us, and we read it in our text today, that whenever Paul would go to a city, he would find their synagogue. This was their, their Jewish religious center. This is where all of the Jewish people would gather. Since Paul had something in common with them, he would go to this Jewish synagogue and he would speak to them. He would speak to them. Now, I want to I I make sure that we understand what this would look like because when we think about church, uh, or I, I grew up going to church, but whenever I think about church, I think, hey, we had some we had some worship songs, and then the preacher stands up and he preaches, and really it's it's a little bit more one way. Like I might ask you some questions and get some feedback and those kinds of things, uh, but really primarily it's it's one way. We could have more of a conversation, but I still got to say what I got to say. So instead of keeping you here for two hours, I'll say what I need to say in thirty minutes, and I think everyone would appreciate that. But in the synagogue, it wasn't that way. In the synagogue, you had your main teacher who would, who would open up the scripture, who would open up the Old Testament, he would teach. And then if there was anyone else who wanted to teach their own sermon, uh, to teach their own message, then they would get a turn. Uh, how many of you are like me? That doesn't sound very fun. Uh, so the first preacher would get up and he would preach, and then another guy, they would say, all right, does anybody else want to say something? And then somebody else would get up and they would teach, and then somebody else would get up and they would teach. And this was a really long affair. And then they would have conversations about it. So really, to go to the synagogue on a Saturday was a, uh, you know, it wasn't a one-hour service. This thing was, was hours and hours and hours. So Paul goes to the synagogue on a Saturday. This was his, his custom. This was his strategy. And since he had something in common with them, that he would basically go to the open mic, and whenever it was his turn to teach, he would teach them. And he'd say, all right, let's look at Genesis chapter number three, where, where Adam and Eve sinned, and God gave a promise that God gave a promise that a savior would come who would crush the head of Satan, uh, but the serpent would, would bite his heel. So, so this Messiah, this Savior figure, would do a little bit of suffering. Let's look at Psalm 22, and he would go to, he would go to the Psalms, and he would show how, how, the, how the Messiah would be pierced through his hands and through his feet, how he would be forsaken by God. And then he would say, all right, now let's go to Isaiah 53, where it says that he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, and he would open up to them all of Scripture and show how all of Scripture points to Jesus. Amen. And whenever it was his turn to speak, he would go to the synagogue, and he would open up the Scripture, and he would convince them that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus uh, had to suffer and die and rise again, and by the way, he didn't. And that's what we celebrated on last Sunday. Uh, so he would open up and he would preach, but in Acts 16, he gets to Philippi, ready to go to a synagogue, but the Bible tells us that there was no synagogue. There wasn't anything there. And the reason why is because for a synagogue to get started, it had to be started by 10 Jewish men. They had to start a synagogue together. So they get to Philippi, and there's not any of that there. So he asks around, and he, he finds out that there's a group of women, there's a group of Jewish women praying by a river. So he goes to them, and he meets them, and he, he introduces them to Jesus. And Jesus transforms their lives, and then they start making a big difference 
in the city of Philippi. I'm so thankful that God uh, uses all people uh, for his purposes. Uh, but here we see that Paul goes and he reaches these ladies in Philippi. And things are getting exciting in Philippi. And then all of a sudden trouble hits. So there was a group of uh, a group of fortune tellers that had their business in Philippi. And they owned, the Bible says that they owned this, this girl who was possessed with a devil. And this demon-possessed girl started following around Paul, and uh, she started stirring up trouble, and she started causing distraction. And I love the way that, that it says, it says that Paul got, Paul got grieved. He got annoyed at, at, what they, at what this girl was doing. So he rebukes her, he casts the demon out of her, and all of a sudden these fortune tellers lose their business in Acts chapter 16. Well, they get upset about it, and they take uh, Paul to court, and Paul and Silas, they get, uh, they are beaten uh, they're tortured, they're, they're beaten with stripes across their back, and then they're thrown in prison. That's Acts chapter 16. And then, maybe if you're a little bit more familiar with the story, after they're in prison, you would expect them to be, to be sad, and you'd expect them to be down. But at the end of Acts 16, the Bible says that while they're in prison at midnight, instead of uh, groaning and complaining, they are singing and they're praising God. Yeah. They're praying and they're worshiping God for all he has done and all he is doing. And then the Bible says that an earthquake happens, all of the doors in the prison open. And the jailer thinks that everyone left, and his, he's a goner, so he gets ready to commit suicide, and Paul intervenes and says, hey, don't kill yourself, we are all, we're all here, no one has, no one has left, and, and then you know the man says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And, and Paul answered, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, right. and you will be saved. So uh, he is released from Philippi, he's released from prison, and they have to leave Philippi, that's the way that it goes. Well, in Acts 16, he leaves Philippi. Can you imagine just moving to a new place and making some new friends and developing some new relationships and then having to leave that unexpectedly? So he leaves Philippi, and he goes to Thessalonica. He goes to Thessalonica. And whenever he gets there, he's, he's traveled 92 miles from Philippi to Thessalonica on foot. And he gets there, and, and he's beaten, he's, he's sore, he's bruised from being beaten and thrown in prison. He's just traveled 92 miles on foot, and now he arrives into Thessalonica. And in verse number 1, it says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and, and Polonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And it says, and Paul, as his manner was, so like I just told you, he would, he would go into that synagogue, and he would reason with them, and he would teach when it was his turn, and he was convincing them that, that Jesus had to die, and he had to suffer for our sins. And in verse number four, it says, some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. So people are putting their faith and trust in Jesus. And then look at verse number 10. I want you to skip down. After he had been there for three Sabbath days, so for three weeks, Three weekends of uh, synagogue, church, whatever you call it. Verse number 10, it says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So here is the setting for our book study for the next three months. Paul shows up, bloody, bruised, beaten. He preaches the gospel for three weeks. For three weekends, he preaches the gospel and then, because of some problems that we're going to look at in just a minute, he has to leave. So this church gets started. This, these group of believers get together in three weeks, and then he is gone. All right? Now, for, for me, I had the privilege of, with a few families, with a few special families, we, we, we came together and we started New Life Baptist Church about 40 weeks ago. All right? And we have, we have, a, long, we have a long ways to go. 
uh, and, and we're not slowing down. We're, we're going forward uh, for the Lord Jesus. But I can tell you this, that after 40 weeks, we still have a long way to go. Paul started this church and then had to leave in three. And in 1 Thessalonians, he writes back to them. And this is what's amazing to me. You see, Paul wrote a lot of different letters in the New Testament. Uh, he, in some of these letters, he corrects bad behavior. Or, uh, yeah, bad behavior. So, in, for example, if you read 1 Corinthians, there was some messed up things going on in 1 Corinthians. For example, one of the things that he addresses is there was a man who had a physical relationship with his stepmother, and, and he was bragging about it. And the church was like, oh, hey, this is, this is pretty cool. Like, I don't know how you get to that conclusion, but hey, this is pretty cool. But they were celebrating that, that this man was, was having a physical relationship with his stepmother, and Paul's writing, and he's saying, hey, this is wrong. Uh, this is wrong. This is a problem. You've got to stop that behavior. And he addresses lots of different behavioral things with this Corinthian church. He writes to correct their bad behavior. In other books, for example, in the book of Galatians, he writes to address bad beliefs. So sometimes it's, hey, you're, you're doing some things that are wrong, and I've got to correct that. And sometimes he's right, and they say, hey, there's some things that you're believing. There's some things that you've been taught since I left that we need to, that we need to fix and that we need to correct. But in 1 Thessalonians, Paul isn't really writing to fix bad beliefs. He does answer some questions that they have, but he's not really writing to fix bad beliefs, and he's not really writing to fix bad behavior. What we're going to find in our study of 1 Thessalonians is that Paul is writing to a group of people that he loves and that he has a relationship with, and he's encouraging them, and he's reminding them of how they trusted Christ, and he's reminding them of how God has used them over the course of the last year. So he writes a year later, and he said, hey, listen, you are a picture of health. You are. You're spiritually healthy. You're, you're making a difference, and I'm so proud of you, and I can't wait to see you again. And that's what Paul is writing to this Thessalonian church. And whenever I look at that, and whenever I look at this church that is spiritually healthy, and these people that are spiritually healthy, I'm blown away because this mentor of theirs was there for three weeks, and then he was gone. And whenever you look at these circumstances by human means, by human, with human eyes, you'd say, there is no way that these people should be healthy. There is no way that this church should still exist. They should have disbanded a long time ago. Yet not only are they still existing, but they're thriving. They're thriving. And here's what I want to tell you today as we get started with this, with this series, Picture of Health. That a healthy soul, you being spiritually healthy, is not dependent on your circumstances. It's good. It's not dependent on your circumstances. And a lot of times in our lives, we, 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 look, we look at our lives and we say, uh, yeah, I, I, I would be spiritually healthy. I, I would be what God wants me to be, but uh, I, have this, I have this excuse. You know, if, 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 my, if I only had, if I only had a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if I only had a, a husband or a wife who, who loved God and would do what was right, then, then my life would be good. I would be in a good place spiritually if I only had a relationship that would make that right. And, and we can throw out that excuse. Sometimes we throw out the excuse, hey, my, my, my work situation keeps me from being the person that God wants me to be. And we throw out that excuse. I love the way that, that Pastor Craig Rochelle says this. He says, hey, listen, you can make progress or you can make excuses, but you can't make both. Good. I'm going to quote another theologian, my grandma. <laughs> and she would say, uh, she would say, um, he that is good at making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Oh, my. Friend, listen, we have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. In your life, are you going to make excuses or are you going to grow? 
Are you going to make excuses or are you going to make a difference? And those are the choices that we have. And, and friend, I know that, that as I look across the room, I know that we all, have, we all have struggles and we all have pain and we all have things in our past that we say, this makes it hard. But my friend, let me tell you something, that, that God works all things together for right. good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. When you look at Joseph in the book of Genesis, you see a man who was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was thrown in prison. He was forgotten about. And God used all of those bad circumstances to make him the second most powerful man in the world to save him and to save his family. And God takes bad circumstances and he uses it for his divine purposes. So when you look at your past, when you look at your past, let me tell you something. That your past reality, your present reality is God's past design. That's good. What you are facing right now. God knew about, and he will work through if we won't make excuses, but we'll decide, I'm going to grow, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Amen. So we see that a healthy soul is possible regardless of circumstances. But the second truth that I want you to notice is this, is that a healthy soul is accompanied by difficulty. A healthy soul is accompanied by difficulty. Jesus said, uh, Jesus said, uh, in this world, you shall have tribulation. He said, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And the moment that you decide that you're not going to make excuses, but that you're going to grow in your faith, you're not going to make excuses, but you're going to walk with Jesus. When that happens, you are declaring war on the devil. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Uh, put on the whole armor of God. And let me just tell you something, that when you decide that you're going to live for God, you're going to be attacked. Yeah. You're going to be attacked. A few years ago, right before right before we decided that we were going to uh, move down here, uh, I was getting ready to I was getting ready to do some traveling, and we were going to do some fundraising. And if you if you've been through Starting Point, I shared that with you when you when you hop in Starting Point, I'll tell you about uh, our traveling and getting ready to start the church. But I'll never forget Adrian and I were getting ready to celebrate our anniversary, and we're driving to Florida uh, to go drop off our kids in Orlando, where we have some family, and we're going to get away. We were going to get away for a couple of days. And on our way, uh, we, our check engine light came on, and our check engine light started driving. Uh, our, our, not sorry, not our check engine light started driving. What am I thinking? Our check engine light came on, and our car got stuck going 20 miles an hour in Tallahassee. And all of a sudden, this, this check engine light comes on. We had transmission problems, and uh, it was an absolute mess. But when that check engine light came on, it was an indicator that something serious was happening. Am I right? Yeah. And friend, whenever you're facing difficulty, when you make a decision for the Lord, whenever you decide that you're going to walk with him and follow him, difficulty will come along. But I want to, I want to, I want to warn you to be so, to be, to be sober, to be vigilant because your adversary, the devil is walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom you may devour. But when you're facing difficulty, the check engine lights coming on that God is working. Amen. God is working. So what I want to remind you that a healthy soul is accompanied by difficulty. When you choose to live for God, you will have struggles. You will have struggles. And we see in verse, this happens in verse number 
3 that Paul opens and he alleges, he tells him about Jesus, that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them that believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. So people are starting to come to Christ uh, one after the other. And then in verse number 5 it says, But the Jews which believed not, they were moved with envy. And they took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and sought all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. So we see this, this, is a, this healthy soul is accompanied by difficulty. Because Paul preaches the gospel and people start coming to Christ. And then it says that, that the Jews who, who didn't like that Paul was reaching uh, their people, they, they got angry and they, they got a group together and they started causing trouble. And it says that they assaulted the house of Jason. Now, who is Jason? We don't really know. The Bible doesn't tell us, except for that we, we know from this text is that he is a believer who was, who was caring for Paul. So from every indication that we see in this chapter, he's a person who had just come to faith in the past three weeks. So maybe this Jason, three weeks ago, he was going to the synagogue, or maybe he was just out and about, and someone introduced him to the Lord Jesus and told him how Jesus came, and he, he lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live, and he, he died the death that we deserve to die, and he took the curse of our sin upon himself, but then he defeated all of it when he rose up from the grave, and Jason, presumably from everything we see in our text, is a recent convert. He's a person who has recently accepted Jesus as Savior, and now he's being attacked by the people in his own town. So they assault him, they assault his house, they bring him, they bring him out before everyone. They bring him out before the rulers of the city. And they, they want to do to him what just happened to Paul and Silas in Philippi. It's accompanied by difficulty. It's accompanied by difficulty. So what happens next? They basically uh, set bail, and uh, from from the research and from the study that I did, basically they would let Jason go on the uh, on the basis that Paul left town. So they let Jason go. Paul leaves town, and he moves on to Berea. He moves on to Berea. And church, I just want to remind you. We need to understand this. If we're going to have healthy souls, if we're going to be a picture of health spiritually, we've got to understand that this spiritual health is possible regardless of circumstance. Whenever I make a decision that I'm going to grow, it's going to be accompanied by difficulty. But finally, I want to let you know this, is that a healthy soul is built on the gospel. Amen. A healthy soul is built on the gospel. See what happens? Paul comes in, he preaches the gospel, people's lives are transformed, and then he moves to Berea. He goes to the next place, where it says that he does the exact same thing. And then he moves on, and he does the exact same thing. And that's what he keeps on doing. Now I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Alright, now let's go to 1 Thessalonians 1. And we're going to do a deep dive on this on next Sunday, 1 Thessalonians 1.1. 1, 1. But I do want to just look at it one more time. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. And Paul writes this to the church. Paul and Silvanus, Silas, and Timothy unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you. And that, uh, man, it's going to take us a whole message to unpack that grace be unto you and peace, what that means. But I'm going to tell you, next week is going to be special. 
Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. One year later, Paul writes, after all of these circumstances, after Jason has been assaulted, after Paul was run out of town, Paul writes back one year later and he says, listen, I'm writing to you who are in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm writing to you because we're family. Hey, I'm writing to you because I love you. I'm writing to you because we have this commonality, and the commonality is not that we come from the same place. The commonality is not that we have the same backgrounds. The commonality is not that we have the same experiences. The commonality that we have, the reason why I'm writing to you is because Jesus Christ has changed our lives. And my friend, if you're going to have a healthy soul, it's not going to be built on just getting that diet, sleep, and exercise. And I'm not negating that. Those things are important. But that's not what's going to give you a healthy soul. A healthy soul is only accomplished because you recognize that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. That you That's weren't right. just sick, that you were dead. But Jesus Christ came down and he died for you and he That's rose right. again to give you new life in him. That's right. yeah. And because of that, he gives us a, a healthy soul. Amen. A healthy soul. And when Paul writes to this church, the whole basis of this relationship, the whole basis of this letter, and we'll see this over the next uh, 10 weeks after five minutes from now. Uh, the next 10 weeks is that all of this is built, all of it is built on the gospel. So if you want a healthy soul, don't make excuses, understand difficulties coming, and build your life on the gospel. And you can have a healthy soul. As we close the message, I just want to say this, that, that having this healthy soul and your life being built on the gospel, the way that Jesus described it in John chapter 3, he compared it to being Born, he's called it being born again. Amen. He called it being born again. Yeah. Uh, so he equates it to he equates it to a birth. All right. So uh, I've ha I have three kids. Uh, they're beautiful. I have Julianne. She's five. I have Brooklyn. She's three. And I have my son Whitten, who's about to turn. He's about to turn one. And they're a lot of fun. And some memories that I have that I will never that I'll never forget that I'll never forget is whenever I held my babies in my arms for the first time. In a moment in time, they were born into my family, and that is something that never changes. No matter what happens, no matter, no matter what happens from here on out the rest of our lives, they were born into my family. Uh, my blood runs through their veins. Amen. They're my children. Mm -hmm. And your life being built on the gospel, Jesus compared it to being born again. Amen. When you were born into God's family, a moment in time where you recognize that you were a sinner without hope, you're a sinner without hope. But Jesus gave himself so that you could be a part of his family. So that you could be going from that you, so that you could go from being an enemy of God because of our sin to being family. Amen. And Jesus calls that being born again. It's a moment in time that when we're when we're saved, when we're when we're rescued, whenever we are born into God's family, it's something that we're born into his family and that never changes. Could I ask you this question this morning? Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen by being dunked in water. It doesn't happen by doing good religious things. Uh, it doesn't happen for any of those reasons. It happens whenever a person recognizes that they are lost and without hope and without God. That's and right. that Jesus died and he rose again to pay our debt in full. And it's a gift that is offered freely. It's a right. gift that's offered freely. For by grace are you saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Let's even mention those. Not of works. It's not of works. 
my friend, if, you've, if your life isn't built on the gospel, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've not been born again, then I have good news for you. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Today is the moment when you can receive Christ as your Savior. And for those of us who know him, that's not just a one where we said it last week, that the gospel isn't just the diving board. It's the pool that we swim in. It's what we should live in every single day. It's what we should be building our lives on. But it starts with a moment in time when we're born again. So we could all bow our heads and close our, close our eyes for just a moment so we all have time to respond to God's word and how he's worked in our hearts. First question I have is this. Are you making excuses or are you going to grow? Are you going to make excuses or are you going to grow? And today I think that there's, there's a group of believers in here that need to make the decision that we're not going to make excuses. We're going to grow in our faith. And we're going to have healthy souls built on the gospel. And then maybe there's someone here who said, Pastor, I've never, I've never been born again. I've never received Christ as my Savior, but I would like to. I've never received Jesus as my Savior, but I would like to. Maybe in this moment you say, Pastor David, I would like to know more about receiving Jesus as my Savior. Would you just raise your hand? You raise your hand and you say, Pastor David, I want to know more about receiving Jesus as my Savior. We're going to close and we're going to close this message in a word of prayer. And after that, we're all going to stand and we're going to worship the Lord. But I want to encourage you to don't don't let this moment pass you by. Uh, respond to how God has worked in your heart this morning. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us and thank.